0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host Alex Klein, and today is Film Friday. Uh, today I've actually got three movies to talk about that I saw this week. One of them includes a movie I saw in theaters, and then we'll also go over the movies that are coming out this weekend. So let's get started. Um, First off, this weekend, new movies are The Angry Birds Movie 2, which I have uh, no desire to see at all, but I actually saw a review today by Scott Mendelson from uh, Forbes that said it was better than the original. I've seen the original, and if better than the original means um, like giving a movie a 6 versus giving a movie a 5, then cool. But um, I don't know. I, it's an animated movie. I guess if you have kids, take your kids to it. Jason Sudeikis, Josh Gad, Leslie Jones, Bill Hader, they're all in it. But uh, what intrigues me more is I found out there's actually a, um, an animated short in front of the movie called, I believe it was Big Hair. Uh, that sounds like it's really good. So you know, if you're if you're on the fence about seeing this movie, maybe just go check it out so you can see this short in front of it. Uh, the way Scott described it, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if that short saw an Oscar nomination. So who knows? Uh, we'll see. But I guarantee you, the Angry Birds movie is not going to get an Oscar nomination. And I swear to God, if I come back on this podcast and during the Oscar nominations podcast towards the end of this year, or actually it would be the beginning of next year, and find out that this movie is on the list of nominations for Best Animated Movie of the Year, I'm going to be upset, and I'm going to be really upset at myself. I'm going to be upset at everyone around me, and you just, you're just you not going to want to see me in that sort of situation. I actually can't wait until Oscar season comes out so you guys can all see exactly how hyped up and excited I get by Oscar season. A lot of people uh, throughout the year get excited about uh the the NFL draft or maybe like uh fantasy football the the fantasy football draft or uh you know I can't even think of any any other you know big events like that but the oscars that's my the oscars is my super bowl I didn't I did not watch the super bowl last year but I did watch the oscars and I actually had a party at my house to watch the Oscars. I specifically signed up for Hulu uh, Live so that I could watch it because I don't have cable. And um, so yeah, like I said, it's a big event. So I'm going to be really excited about that. And I will be very unexcited if this movie ends up being part of it. Another strange movie coming out this week is Good Boys. That is what some people are calling the... um, I mean, you even look at the title. It says, from the people who brought you Superbad and Sausage Party. Uh Uh-oh, it's Seth Rogen. But Seth Rogen isn't even in this movie. He just produces it. So uh, it's directed by Gene Stupinski. And it stars three very young actors. Jacob Tremblay, uh, Keith Williams, Brady Noon. I'm also seeing Molly Gordon on here. But uh, if you guys haven't seen the trailer for this movie, I would highly recommend watching the trailer before you decide to see this movie because a lot of this movie is hinging on that it's a Seth Rogen movie or that it's a movie made by Seth Rogen. Uh, I've heard it called the super bad for 6th graders, which is all fine and good. All that sounds really interesting, right? But then you look at the, the posters and marketing material at this point for Good Boys, and they are blatantly showing the giant R rating on here and saying, you must be this tall to see this movie with all three of the kids clearly not tall enough. So I wonder if those kids aren't tall enough to see this movie and those kids aren't old enough to see this movie, why is this movie rated R? Um, because I've specifically seen the, uh, um, the R rated trailers and all three of them swear a lot and are in really awkward positions that I don't, and, and, and again... i'll I'll probably say this on every podcast art is subjective somebody is gonna like this movie and i imagine a lot of people are gonna probably enjoy this movie it's a short 89 minute movie which means realistically it's probably like 85 minutes 86 minutes with with credits um it's at a 59 on metascore which is in the uh yellow so it doesn't it means it's eh, not great but I mean, there was even there was even another uh, another poster that had something about I. Can't, it was like you won't believe what these kids are saying, and it's like why is the marketing of this movie about pay it pay to see a movie where you get to watch little kids swear and be inappropriate and granted i'm sure there are a lot of you out there who that was something that happened when you were in sixth grade or fifth grade or whatever I, you know what happened with me there were kids when we we're playing football you know a couple of hex were thrown around a couple of he double hockey sticks were thrown around and um but yeah that's that was about it for me certainly not the situations i'm seeing in this movie and for me jacob tremblay i actually really like jacob tremblay um, I'm trembling right now just talking about it. I like him so much. He was in Room, which was a phenomenal movie. He was in—I was going to say Harold, but uh, where I'm getting ahead of myself on a movie that I'm going to talk about later. Uh, not Harold, but uh, it was the movie where he—it uh, plays a disfigured person, and uh, that was oh, Wonder. Harold Um, but he was also in Before I Wake didn't see that but he was in The Predator he wasn't great in The Predator he was okay but it looks like again man these people are popping up he's apparently playing Flounder in The Little Mermaid he was in an episode of The Twilight Zone and I know I saw him in something else that's right it was The Book of Henry not Harold Henry Uh, and I actually liked that book critics did not like that book but I enjoyed it I the movie Um, I, I thought it was a good movie this movie I don't know I don't know I can't decide if I want to even bother seeing it or not. I have AMC A-list as you all know so I can see my movies for free, but at the end of the day the movie is still going to be getting money if I see it and I don't necessarily know if I want to support this movie or not. The strange thing is I've seen some reviews that said the movie's actually pretty good, that it's a a really like it's not what you expect it to be that yeah, there's there's that sort of stuff in the movie that weird stuff. Um, But that it's better than that and that made me want to see it that made me very curious to see it but I mean I haven't talked I've talked to two people about this movie my wife and my brother and both of them already hate this movie my brother immediately got very angry and upset uh, livid he was red in the face when we saw this in theaters turned over to me said I can't believe Seth Rogen uh, loves little boys. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's the case. He's just the producer on the movie. And he's like, well, you know, he's, he, and I never watched it, but apparently there's even like an interview that Seth Rogen interviews these kids as like a comedy marketing thing. I have no idea. All I'm going to say is I, I know for a fact I have to see this movie before I can actually pass judgment on it. I will never say a movie is going to be good or well, I will say it, but I never really I can't prove that a movie is good or bad until I actually go and see it. So who knows? I may definitely not going to see it this weekend, but I may, I may try and see it at some point. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence because um, I, I texted my wife and I, one day and I said, hey, you know, I, I might go check this movie out this weekend. She was like, why? Why do you want to see that movie? And I didn't I didn't have an answer except to say, well, I could talk about it on the podcast. And, uh, that's, uh, I don't know if that's a good enough reason for me to go. Uh, but the movie that I do want to see and maybe hopefully shoot to see it this weekend, if not, definitely next week, is 47 Meters Down Uncaged. That is the sequel to 47 Meters Down. And, um, I've got a little bit of beef with this, uh, this movie for a couple reasons. So it's the same director as the first movie, stars 16 Rose Stallone. Stallone, Stallone's daughters in this. Um, that's impressive. If so, uh, but uh, yeah. So l- let's just start with the director. So uh, Johans Roberts or Johans Roberts. He directed Forty Seven Meters Down, Storage Twenty Four. Uh, he clearly likes movies that have numbers in them. That's um, you know that's great. But uh, okay, I'm gonna click on Sistine Rose Stallone. So Sistine Rose Stallone, Nia Long, Corinne Fox, and John Corbett are in it. Essentially, a completely different cast than uh, than the first movie. So if you liked that first movie because, you know, you liked seeing the the characters in there or the, the actors in there, none of them are in this movie. And I, I cannot confirm that this is uh, a, an actual Stallone, but uh, she was born in 1998, and the only movie it looks like that she's been in besides stuff on, like, Good Morning America is 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. So this is actually her first—this is a first appearance. And I'm confirming now she is the daughter of Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Flavin, And uh, that's that's about it. So uh, completely different cast, which is interesting. And when that movie came out initially, that's what that that's a movie like crawl. It's a very stressful movie to watch to be in. And I like that sort of stuff. No matter how, and, and even they're saying it here: fourteen girls diving in a ruined underwater city quickly learn they've been entered that they've entered the territory of the deadliest shark species in the claustrophobic labyrinth of submerged cage, uh, submerged caves, not caged because it's uncaged. And uh, I have not seen a trailer. I just know I want to see it. I saw a piece of the trailer, and the only piece of the trailer I saw was a quick title shots of you wish. You were in a cage, uh, obviously because they're not in a cage and there's sharks chasing after them. So I'm looking forward to it just to get spooked, but the biggest nitpick I have is when this movie initially came out, the first one, um, they said, oh, a sequel is is confirmed, and the sequel's title was 48 Meters Down, and I thought that was a great title. I was like, that's awesome. It's you know one more letter or one more number. That's great. But now it's just 47 Meters Down Uncaged. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of confusing. Blinded by the Light is coming out, which is uh, doing well. It's out of seventy on Metascore. This is a movie about nineteen uh, eighties during uh, Ma- Margaret Th- Thatcher's Britain. A teenager learns to live life, uh, understand his family, and find his own voice through the music of Bruce Springsteen. So um, I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of movies coming out recently that are. You've got um, the Queen movie, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I, I loved that movie. Rocket Man, which I haven't seen yet, but you, there's just a lot of. Oh, and then I just saw the uh, Judy Garland, the trailer for that Judy Garland movie with uh, um, Renee Zellweger. There's just a lot of music biopics these days, and this movie sort of, sort of feels like a derivative of that. In that, yeah, it's not about Bruce Springsteen, but the entire movie is going to be about Bruce Springsteen and his music. So, if you love Bruce Springsteen, probably check this movie out. I I enjoy Bruce Springsteen. I'm not a, not a fan by any means. Like, I don't go, you know, I'm I don't listen to him every day. So, I I don't think I'm going to see that one. I'll probably catch it when it comes to the library. Uh, and then the other one is Where'd You Go, Bernadette? That movie was supposed to. This is with. Uh, no way! I actually had no idea this movie was directed by Richard Linklater. Um, is is that always been that way? A loving mom becomes compelled to reconnect with her creative passions after years of sacrificing herself for her family. Her leap of faith takes her on an epic adventure that jumpstarts her life and leads to her triumphant rediscovery. And it's Kate Blanchett. So Richard Linklater is directing Kate Blanchett, Judy Greer, Kristen Wiig. Man, this movie's actually starting to look good. Uh, th- why, C- Richard, man? You're killing it, dude. Um, this movie was in trailers a long time ago, like last year. And I'm actually curious to see if maybe there's some sort of news about this or not. But um, it, it it was in theaters last year, or it was in trailers last year, supposedly to come out this year. And um, it never did. And then suddenly the trailers were gone, and we didn't see anything more about it. And I was like, this is really strange. And then the trailers came back this year. And I was like, oh, I guess they're starting to do it now. Um, so I didn't know if maybe they canceled the movie or whatnot, but it's saying this movie is a 2019 movie, and that it comes out this weekend, and I had no idea that Linklater's doing it, so I may actually want to watch this movie. I love Richard Linklater. I, I love him. I thought, uh, let's see, some of my faves of his are probably my favorite movies that he's done are the um, the Before trilogy of uh, Before Sunset, Before or Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. And then uh, Boyhood, I obviously Boyhood was a uh, was an Oscar bait movie, but I actually thought it was a really cool film in terms of them following somebody for their entire twelve years of their life. Uh, S- a Scanner Darkly was also incredibly creative, but one I think my secret. Oh, and then Dazed and Confused, and uh, um, Everybody Wants Some. I loved both of those movies. I got to see uh, Everybody Wants Some in a previews uh, setting, which was really nice. And But I love Slacker. Slacker is probably one of my favorite movies of his just because it's such a brilliant movie. So I may check this movie out. And I love Kate Blanchett. She's one of my favorite actors as well. I loved her in Thor. I loved her in Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't think there's been a movie that I've seen her in that I didn't like. She's been in some um, Terrence Malick movies as well. Killed it. So Where'd You Go, Bernadette? That one is also in theaters as well. And then there's a bunch of other ones. I don't think these ones are wide release, so I'm not going to mention them. I'm just looking at on uh, IMDb. But those are the movies coming out this weekend. It'll be interesting to see if any of them can compete with the uh, movies already in theaters like Hobbs and Shaw. Um, The only one that I predict is going to even come close is either going to be, well, I guess maybe Angry Birds if a bunch of people take their kids there, or maybe Good Boys. Uh, possibly blinded by, blinded by the light, but I doubt it. That movie is probably going to make that indie 10 million. Same with Bernadette. I so my predi- we'll see if this pulls off. My predictions: I'd say where'd you go, Bernadette's probably going to make like two to five. Blinded by the light's probably going to make 10. 47 meters down's probably going to make I don't know 10 to 15. Hopefully more. Uh, Good Boys is probably going to make like 15 or so. Angry Birds could easily make I don't know. Tw- At least at least twenty million. It's probably going to make more like thirty or something like that, uh, just because it's a sequel. But we'll see, we'll see when it comes out. So I saw three movies this week, and what's funny is all there's. It seems like every week so far, there's been a theme in my movies that I watch, and I I don't plan this. I don't ever anticipate it, but obviously as it gets going, it makes me want to continue. So last week the film the theme was anime. I saw a lot of different uh, movies based on mangas or anime movies. Uh, This week is horror. And so this week, the three movies that I saw I saw The Curse of La Llorona, and then I saw the 1973 The Wicker Man, and then in theaters, I saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So, Curse of La Llorona came out earlier this year, April 19th, and it actually did pretty decent at the box office, enough where if they announced a sequel, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But uh, <clears throat> the movie itself was very bland. It, so if you it's so tough these days because there's a lot of scary movies that come out especially movies that are based in the conjuring universe you've got and Anna, of the annabelle movies the conjuring movies the nun and now you've got this one which they kind of distanced themselves from saying it was a conjuring movie and that's probably because it wasn't that great of a movie they didn't want it to stain it but they reference the annabelle series in this movie and uh, what the short description is ignoring the eerie warning of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment, a social worker, and her own small cl- kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm. And if that sounds like every other scary movie that you've seen, that's because unfortunately it is. So there are a couple of cool things in this movie. Uh, the, the players in here are Linda Cardinelli, uh, or Cardellini, uh, I love Linda. She's great. She's great. She was great in um, the Marvel movies. She was great in, um, God, it's not Nuclid's not Kids on the Block. The um, That's the TV show from way back in the 90s. Um, was it the 90s? I, I, I have no idea. But she was, in, she was in Scooby-Doo. She played Velma. She was in Legally Blonde, Brokeback Mountain. But um, obviously, I didn't watch enough episodes of that TV show. Freaks and Geeks, that's what it was. Okay, there we go. Um, so she's she's great and then the to her two kids did a okay job they weren't the necessarily the best but you know they're little kids raymond cruz was in this movie and he played the sort of priest besides the other priest tony amandola who's kind of the is the priest from annabelle he tells linda like hey I know a guy and so that's uh, Raymond and he was an interesting he was an interesting character he had some he was a I believe the pronoun it's like a a curandero essentially a a Mexican healer and um, he was probably besides Linda my favorite character in the movie. And unfortunately, the one of the other reasons I really wanted to see this movie, and you're going to start sensing a theme in all these movies that I talk about, not these ones, but just in general, is uh, Patricia Velasquez, and I did not even know that was her name, but she played Anaxuna Moon in The Mummy and Mummy Returns, alongside My Scorpion King in The Mummy Returns. Though she had no, um, you know, love affair with Scorpion King, she only had it with um, um, Imhotep, but. Uh, so, and I loved her in those movies as a kid. I had a huge crush on her. Same with uh, Rachel Wise. Uh, they just those movies obviously changed my life when I was a kid. So to find out that she was in this movie, I was like, no way. Like, let's see how she's doing. How, you know, how, how she been since the mummy. That was freaking 2001. She is, uh, and, and she's a pretty young actor. She's born in 1971. So that's she's like in her 40s, mid to mid-late to 40s and um she w- she was purposely not looking good in this series. So she's actually the she plays the troubled mother suspected of child endangerment. So Linda Car- uh, Cardellini, she uh she's a social worker, which was an interesting twist because it kind of gives her a hardened stance on everything. So Things don't particularly scare her. She still freaks out a lot in the movie, but she's kind of she's been hardened by you know being a social worker, and so she goes to this place. This lady's uh, been you know suspected of, of uh, harming her kids. She gets inside, and there's all these symbols and weird stuff on the walls. And the lady's like, "No, like," and there's a closet door with a bunch of symbols and stuff. And the lady's like, "No, no, don't go in there." And the the police officer she's just like, "Take her away." And so they actually take the mom to i think they take her to jail maybe not right away but the kids are in this closet and in classic dumb scary movie fashion she like opens the door are you guys okay and the kids are like close the door and she's like why and they're like we don't want her to get us and she's like no come with me i'll keep you safe from her and the whole time the absolute whole time you're like they're not talking about her mom they're talking about la llorona and la llorona she was uh scary so that's that's what i'll say la llorona herself was super scary she there's a lot of jump scares in this movie there's this weird thing though where she's like she's corporeal sometimes where you know she's like a spirit you can't touch her she's kind of but then other times she's a completely physical person like um i think at one point linda hits her with a bat and I was like, oh, okay, so is she a ghost? Is she not a ghost? I have no idea. But the, the whole curse is that La Llorona, back in the 1600s, um, her husband cheated on her, and in a jealous rage, she drowned her kids in the river. And when she realized, oh, my God, I did this, she then drowns herself in the river and is now cursed for all eternity to um, search for kids, to become her kids, essentially, and she just drowns kids is essentially what it is. But uh, so, like I said, her, herself, pretty spooky, but the movie itself was um, a complete retread of like any scary movie. You've got your, your first act scare, your second act scare, your third act big reveal with the exorcism, not the exorcism, but you know how it is with those exorcism movies where, oh, the, the monster is now really bad and is really going to get him. And then something happens and, and they save the day. And then, of course, just like every scary movie, it ends with a, uh oh, is, is La Yorona coming back? um surprisingly in this one though um you don't actually see it because sometimes it's like oh my god is that the nun in the corner like oh i saw her but in this one there's no like oh there's law your it's just the way that it ends it ends on that scary little like oh my goodness did, are they gonna make a sequel i have no idea so if you're a fan of the conjuring movies maybe check this out if you're a fan of linda or if you're a friend fender actually if you're a fan of patricia velasquez maybe don't see this movie because it wasn't she wasn't in her best her best in this one i know she was trying to play a crazy lady but um i don't know it it i, I gave this one a five a five out of ten so that in it but it's only an hour and a half so it's not not a huge waste of time uh next up is the wicker man and this is a movie that's been a long time coming for me i uh, for those of you who don't know, I saw *Midsummer* earlier um, when it came out, the weekend it came out, and that movie was was awesome. That movie was really good. It was not what I expected it to be, and it left me disappointed after I left the theater, but the longer I've had to think about it, I've realized how, what a good movie it was and how I shouldn't have trusted my expectations so much. I thought *Midsummer* was going to be an incredibly scary movie, just like Hereditary, and it's not. It's not a scary movie. It's, it's uh, like a... Uh, but it, it's basically the Wicker Man. If you if you've seen the Wicker Man, it's it's a slow burn buildup to absolutely crazy stuff that happens at the end. But there's probably two jump scares in the entire movie. So um, after seeing that, my brother was like, "Oh, I he said he, he had an extra copy of the Wicker Man, the 1973 Wicker Man, because so far I've only seen the clip of Nicolas Cage going, not the bees, not the bees." and um i had i wanted to check that out but i wanted to see the original first and so he was like here's here's a copy and it was the extended edition so my initial thoughts watching this movie and i don't know if any of you have seen this movie but um and i don't know how to describe it but it's like compared to the movies that are coming out today compared to you know any movie you want to compare with that's coming out today the wicker man is not that good of a movie it's it's the the film quality is terrible the acting is so so and it's just it's a weird situation because it's it's a british movie and um so like everyone has british accents there's a lot of singing in the movie and the songs are super weird it's just you it seems like a lot of the extras in the movie weren't the greatest actors, so I, I notice certain things when I'm watching movies. Like in these scenes where there's a there was a bar of people singing, and so yeah, I'm watching the guy who's doing the singing, but I'm also looking at all of the other people in the bar. And there was just certain characters where you can tell they're like they don't know how to act, and that's fine. That's fine. It doesn't take it away because I really liked this movie. I gave this movie an eight out of ten. Um, it was a great movie for what it wanted to be. And just the the story behind it was great because again it's it was like Midsummer. So it's about a a, a police officer gets a notice of a missing child uh, on this island and goes there, and this whole island is essentially a cult, like a a semi-cult. They're basically just a community, and that's and that's what is so interesting about this movie. Even as quote unquote bad as it was, you can still see the themes in this movie and enjoy them going like, Oh, wow, that um, there's some really high level topics in here of uh, that come about when you talk about cults, or when you talk about these sort of like communities. So he gets there, everyone, no one knows who this girl is, they're all like, I have no idea. And he's like following up, he goes to a school, and he's like, Do kids know who this girl is? And all of them go Nope. And then um, he's like, Well, then what's that empty desk? and they're like, Oh, that's where we keep the, the, the bug. And they like, open it up. And there's a bug in there. That's just crawling around on a nail. And they're like, yeah, it's so sad to see him crawl around. And he's like, well, then why do you have that bug in there? And, um, so he goes up to the teacher and he's like, Hey, I need to read your records in your, he, she's got a podium, the old timey podium. I need to read your records. And she's like, you need to have authority from the Lord, like the basically the leader of the quote unquote cult, um, and he's like uh no I don't I'm the law I'm the police like no one seems to care that he's a police officer and so he's like if you don't do this I'm going to I'm hauling you back to the mainland to arrest you opens it up sure enough the girl is in the records and she's gone he's like okay so all of you are lying to me what's going on and so and again this this is um this is a 1973 movie spoilers are out the window at this point essentially they sacrifice this girl to um to their gods, they don't really. They sort of go over it, but that part doesn't matter. They basically sacrificed this girl. They burned her alive, and um, everyone's okay with it in the whole town. And they're like, "Yeah, that's it was a ritual. It was part of a ritual." And I think at that point, it was because the crops weren't growing. And uh, he's absolutely isn't having it. And this guy who plays, uh, who plays the guy, he, um, yeah, it's what is it? It's Edward Woodward. I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but he did a good job. He did as good a job as he could. Um, and then Christopher Lee is actually in this movie as Lord Summerisle, who is the Lord. And um, cure, cool fact: he actually did this movie for free. He, um, I think it was that he just he loved this movie so much, and um, or he was he believed in this movie so much that he he wanted to just do it for free. And it, like I said, if you've seen Midsummer. I think you'll really like this movie after seeing Midsummer because it has a lot of the same themes as Midsummer, where they're doing things that are a part of rituals and it's like, okay, yeah, that's wrong, but who are you to say that it's wrong? You're saying it's wrong because of your own beliefs, but we have different beliefs and in our little community here, everyone's happy, everyone's minding their own business, we're not hurting anyone on purpose, we have like zero crime, and uh, but then, yeah, we sacrifice people sometimes, so... It's a, it's a, it's a head concept. Like, well, what side do you agree with? Do does there even need to be a side? And, um, so yeah, so he, he figures that out and then he starts, he's like, oh yeah, that's it. I'm going back home. And so he like hops on his, his boat plane and it's broken. Of course they probably broke it. But by the end of the movie, he, um, they're like, okay, we're, we're, they're basically going to burn him alive. So they're like, we're going to, we're putting you inside the wicker man. And there's this giant wicker man that, uh, he, they, they take him inside, lock him in there basically, and light the wicker man on fire, and the reason that they're doing that is because the crops have not been growing well, and he's screaming as it's burning, like, that's not the reason why, it's all about science, and, uh, yeah, it's, again, the acting is really funny, And I would recommend watching the extended version uh, because my brother told me he said he watched the theatrical version and some of the stuff is in different areas in the theatrical. Like there's this scene where a lady is singing and dancing and her in the in room – and um he's like he the inspector can't fall asleep it's like he's being put under a spell and apparently that happens like at the beat towards the beginning of the movie and in this in the extended it happens like in the middle why they would do that i don't know the only weird part about it was the scenes that were bonus scenes maybe that weren't in the original movie they were the worst quality in the world so like you could tell you know how like when you're watching a they're like watching a deleted scene of like the deleted scenes on avengers Endgame. Um, the movie itself crystal clear crisp but then in the deleted scenes rocket raccoon kind of looks way less cgi because they didn't do all the work because they didn't think it was going to be a good scene it's the same concept the the camera quality looks worse the film itself looks worse and you can easily tell where the extended scenes are but like i said i would highly recommend seeing this movie both as if you're a fan of something like midsummer that's slow type of burn but also just for cinema in general because this is a, this is one of those movies a lot of people talk about or reference in terms of a really good suspense type movie and so again this movie was from 1973 from the uk and um looks like the budget was five hundred thousand year british pounds and it made five thousand dollars wait opening weekend in the usa in 2013, it made $5,000. That's weird. That's just what. Uh... Oh, okay, so it's an extra 11 minutes. The the movie is 88 minutes long. The extended version is 99 minutes long. So um, check it out if you're interested. Like I said, I would recommend it. I I think it's an interesting movie to talk about and a good movie to 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 have a laugh on again because the you know the quality isn't that great. And that leads us to our final movie, which is the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark film. That movie came out last weekend and is directed by and this is i've been wanting to talk about this for a while um there is a comedian that i saw on a set in denver his name is andrew orvidal and uh, he was also in the amazon i think it was like one season of the amazon show those who can't um show about some teachers i think he played the gym coach and um him and I had chit chatted a long time ago on Twitter. And that's why he he always was in my mind because he looks a lot like the guy that's on my, um, like the app for my bank. When the app opens up, it's got this couple walking down a road and it looks just like him. So I'm always like, he's always on the top of my mind for some reason. But what's interesting, his name is Andrew Orvidal. And the director of this movie is Andre Avridal. (laughs) it it, like just two letters off very strange uh andre Avradal does um did the autopsy of jane doe he did troll hunter he did um future murder and Tunnelin. and uh autopsy of jane doe is actually on my watch list that'll be something i'll be reviewing soon because it's on netflix and same with troll hunter is another movie i've been really interested in as well but uh, i liked this movie i thought it was really good i was a huge fan of the books when I was a kid, uh, me, my brother, and my cousins, we would always tell them to each other, try and scare each other. And, uh, yeah, so there's, I mean, like the big toe, the, uh, the high beams, the black dog, the, uh, Me Tie Doty Walker. There's so many good stories in there. And so before we went and saw the movie, we went and had dinner and we were kind of discussing what ones we thought we would be in there. Obviously, from the trailer, you know that Harold's in it, the, the scarecrow one. And, um, I think there was one or two others they sort of revealed in there. But uh, it was great. It was great. And yeah, there, I, I won't spoil which stories were in there because I think. Oh, no, never mind. I'm going to spoil it because the one that I was going to say is a spoiler is on the cover of Easter. So that's not a spoiler at all. So the story itself is a group of teens, and the movie takes place in 1968. It's Halloween night. They bust into a haunted house, sort of on a dare. The girl of the group is sort of troubled. Her mom ran out on her. She's got. She's just got a lot of issues, but she loves writing. She's like a good writer, and so she goes into the basement. and And the story is at this uh, at this haunted house. This um, I think it's Sarah Bellows is, is the. It's like the story of Sarah Bellows. She was like this deformed, messed up girl, mentally messed up as well, who her parents locked her in the basement. And kids, the the myth was. Kids would go up to the wall and knock on the wall and say, Sarah Bellows, tell me a scary story. And she would then tell a scary story. You could hear her whispering through the walls. And what it turns out to be is her her doing that. her book is the book of scary stories to tell in the dark. So it's it's and she apparently wrote all the stories is the way that they're doing it in the movie. And so what you find out is the girl took the book And all of a sudden the book starts writing itself again and the reason for it is because um, she took the book but um, I guess she tries to – she's trying to kill anybody that basically came in the house and there was a group of like six kids. And so each kid – and that's what I thought was really impressive about this is the kids die and some you but they don't die they don't outright die so like the first kid was this jerk jock and he is the story of harold so she writes the story of harold he goes into the cornfield and the harold scarecrow like gets off its post and stabs him with a pitchfork and suddenly he start like straw starts coming out of his wound straw starts coming out of his mouth and his fingers it was really scary and he ends up turning into a scarecrow and the kids are like holy crap is that what's happening in the book and so that happened so that so the herald was one of them and then uh, the other friend the other kid it was the big toe story which you see in the trailer as well and that one is scary that he for in it but it, but the premise and it, again they're the scary stories so it's like they're they're sort of written for kids but the premise made no sense they like they're watching it r- get written and they're like oh no and so they call their friend they're like don't eat anything and he's like what are you talking about and he he's like on the phone with his mom he's like mom what's for dinner and she, he's like there's some stew in the fridge there's a giant stew pot in the fridge he's like oh i'll just have the stew and he's like what no there's a stew in the fridge you didn't make it well okay you know it's like okay that's strike 1 buddy and uh so he's like so he's got the stew there his friends are like don't eat anything and he's like like what are you talking about and starts eating it and they're like no 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 like there's going to be a lady saying like, where's my toe? Who took my toe? He's like, I don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden he hears where, who took my toe? And it was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And so then he takes another bite of the stew. And guess what guys, that bite of the stew had the toe in it. Why? Why? How? And he takes like a couple of chews on it too. How do you do that? How do you do that with a toe? And this character was made to be kind of smart and this this wasn't a smart move but that the, the chick who's looking for her toe messed up totally messed up I don't even want to talk about it I was I had the I had my eyes covered multiple times in this movie because I just the, the suspense and it was just crazy it was too much so that one was one the other one was the the red room and that's the one and I, I, they don't show this in the trailer at all, so I won't spoil it, but that one was probably my favorite of all of them, because the creepy character is so creepy, and so messed up, and it was, so it was weird, so, like, the, the tow lady takes the kid away, like, he's, he hides under his bed, she comes under the bed, and slides him back behind the bed, so he's, like, got his nails in the floor, and he's got nail marks, the two friends run to the house, and they're like oh crap they like move the bed the nail marks are there but the kid's gone so it's like where did he go like we didn't technically see him die but where did he go and then so that same thing happens with this other kid he like disappears inside of this creature where did he go we have no idea and then you see this in the trailer as well a piece of it but the red dot is uh in this one which was one of my least favorite stories in there because that's the one where the uh the girl gets the uh the girl gets the zit on her face and it's just uh, Oh it's a zit full of spiders. There I said it. Um and that scene's also incredibly messed up, had to cover my eyes, total mess. But um as it progresses, like I said, the, the it sort of wraps itself up nicely, but um Oh yeah, Me Tai Doty me Tie Doti Walker is the other one. That's the one that's in the poster of this, also completely messed up but it felt exactly like how I had pictured it when I read it as a kid. So they did a really good job of making this movie feel like the scary stories to tell in the dark book and a justification of that being a movie. So you could have easily been like, why are you making this into a movie? Like the book was fine enough. It was interesting. I'm glad they did. I, I liked that I got to see it on, on screen and uh, that, made- that made it really interesting. So in terms of the people who were in the movie, Almost all of them were newbies. So you, the the girl was played by uh, Zoe Margaret Coletti, and then there was another kid, Ramon, played by Michael Garza. Gabriel Rush played the freaking kid who ate the toe, and then um, who was the other one? Chuck Austin zager And I, I'm gonna click on all of them because they were pretty good. They did they did as good a job as they could. Obviously, was you know they're they're younger actors, like I said with that other one. But Dean Norris was in this, um, the guy who plays. Uh, um walter white's brother-in-law in in, uh, breaking bad michael garza was in the hunger games he played eddie and then he was also in wayward pines it looks like zoe margaret colletti was in annie the 2014 annie she was also in Wildlife and um skin i think she was in it says she was in skin as well and uh i wonder if skin is that movie with oh no, different movie, no, I don't know what skin is, and then Dean, oh, Dean Norris, we know who Dean Norris is, and Gabriel Rush, the guy who played the Toe, he was at, oh, he was in Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest Hotel, so he must have just grown up a bit, because he was obviously younger in those movies, and then Austin Zajour was in Fist Fight and Kidding, oh, okay, I think I might have remembered him from Kidding, that was a great show, that's with uh, Jim Carrey, but yeah, so th- th- those were the three movies I saw, and I gave I gave Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark a 7 out of 10. To me, that is a good movie. Um, so those were the three movies that I saw. I will be back on Sunday to discuss box office and any movies that I see this weekend. But until then, thank you so much for listening. This is Comics and Cinema, and I am your host, Alex Klein. Talk to you soon. <music>